We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, Jerry Judy, I thought it was really cool what he had to say. I kind of interpreted it even maybe – if it wasn't supposed to, if it wasn't intended this way, Jerry saying what he did, I kind of, I kind of interpreted it. Maybe it's the fan in me as putting the NFL on notice. Let's go. The Broncos wide receivers are, are not to be slept on much longer. Yeah. He pointed out the fact that they've had such limited experience on the field together. Um, and by them, I mean, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler as well. And I wrote the article and I broke down like in 2020, there was the Sutton thing. And then the next year, Judy had an injury. And then the next year, or KJ had an injury that same year. Last year, Tim Patrick went down. They haven't all got a chance to kind of ball together. But now they're all healthy, except for KJ, but he's on track. And they're going to be at full capacity in a Sean Payton offense. And what Jerry Judy said was, it's going to be a hard group to stop. And I don't think he's being a homer in saying that. I don't think he's saying that just to say it. You look at the collection of Broncos receivers and the different skill sets they offer, starting with Judy and considering how Judy ended his season last year. I mean, it's it's uh, the arrows pointing straight up. And like you said, the good news on KJ, you had that write up for us. If you want to explain yep. to people the, the latest Well, as most of y'all will remember, uh, it came to light in March that uh, KJ suffered a torn pectoral muscle while training away from the Broncos facility, and that injury and surgery came with a four- to six-month recovery timeline. Four months in March would be late July, which is when the Broncos start training camp, and KJ said yesterday at Jerry Judy's uh, youth football camp that he expects to be cleared in time for training camp, which begins July 28th. So he's right on schedule, and uh, he'll be competing, hopefully, for a spot in that crowded, crowded wide receiver room. I know there's a few Super Chats before Zeus, guys, so I beg your forgiveness on grabbing Zeus McPeak first, but I haven't seen him for a minute, so I, I'm really excited to see Let's do it together. Zeus! The first face that. etched. In the MHH Mount Rushmore, before you now, Stu McPeak, 
Love you, big dog. Great to see you. Hopefully, we get to see you at the meet and greet October 22nd uh, at the stadium. Broncos, Packers. It's going to be dope. He says, though, Zach, looking forward to a new year, new coaches, and a new Broncos team. Aren't we all, man? And it seems like it's been a very long offseason, speaking for myself, but we're nearly through it. We got, we're on the home stretch, so to speak. We got about a month left to go. Yeah, we're under a month until training camp starts now officially, and um, I'm just so ready for the Broncos to shut up all of these idiots and morons in the media that just keep clowning on Russell Wilson, clowning on Denver. I saw something from PFF yesterday that listed the top 10 head coaches in the NFL. Sean Payton wasn't even listed. I saw today a different uh, media outlet had a quarterback ranking, and Russ was ranked 28th. People like Desmond Ritter and Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett were ranked higher than Russell Wilson. Chad, I can speak for myself. I can speak for probably you as well when I say I have never rooted for any player harder to shut up his critics and rebound like I am Russell Wilson. I literally cannot wait for that sweet, sweet redemption. Same here, man. And there's more on that topic I want to get to. Um, Zeus, it's uh, October 22nd. October 22nd. So hope to see you there, big dog. It'll be really, really cool if we get to. Um, but yeah, so we got a little ways till then, but it'll be here before you know it. Uh, Troy, thank you for your patience, big dog. And thank you for getting thank the you. super chat in early before we even went live. He says, hey, guys, great news on Hamler. I wonder if Stink is attacking Judy for speaking publicly like he did Russ. Thanks for the show. We'll listen later. So this is a good segue into what I wanted to, to get into. Um, but I also, real quick, I want to shout out David McElrath. Jumped in early as well with the Super. Love you, big dog. Thank you so much. You're saying good evening, Broncos country. Chad, Zach, Dylan, Deacon, Scott, MHH for live. Buckham with a B times three. And Denver Broncos for live. Thank you, big dog. And then Sam Bam, we're going to get you next. So just hang tight for a second, bro. Um, but back to this topic of... Is Stink attacking Judy? You know, I wonder if Stink will attack Judy for speaking publicly like he did Russ. Well, here's something that's hard to uh, it's hard to rebut in Mark Schlereth's key criticism of the Russell Wilson workout video. And I'll give you the I'll distill it down to its uh, bare bones. And that is this Sean Payton all about when he got here. We, I need everybody to be, quote, anonymous donors, meaning just come to work and keep your head down and do what I ask you to do and, and do what you do best and let's win it for the team. I don't need you out there on Twitter sounding off. I don't need you taking every little interview that comes your way. Uh, I don't need you posting workout videos, this and that and the other. So this is – I'm telling you how Mark Schlereth is portraying it, okay, and that two days after he gets away from the head coach and you, the NFL summer begins, right, then he finally kind of breaks ranks and out comes this workout video, which I do understand. Here's the thing. I do understand what Mark is trying to say, but uh, I, I just have a hard time reading that deeply into it, Zach, on something as innocuous as a workout video. I feel like your second point kind of uh, counteracts the first point there. I, I did not agree with what Schler was saying, and he's only saying that because, again, it's cool and fashionable right now to hate on Russell Wilson. It's cool to jump on that train, and at this point of the offseason with nothing to talk about, that's what you know drives traffic. That's what drives click. We're talking about it still right now, Chad, so we're kind of feeding into it, but 
I don't look at it like Russell Wilson breaking a pact or going against Sean Payton. They want Russ to step up and be better. And part of that is getting in better shape. And he's talked about Russ himself being leaner and meaner. Well, how does he do that? He does workouts. And if he posts one on Twitter, I don't look at it as a negative thing. Only because we're at this point of the offseason and only because it's Russell Wilson is that a topic of conversation where it should never be. By the way, guys, do you like Zach's new title? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're, we're going to stick with it. Uh, um, that was from me, by the way, just so you guys know. That's not Zach calling himself that for, for the haters but I co-signed it, so. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. Sam Bam, though, thank you, big dog, uh, for jumping in early on the super yeah. and your patience, my brother. He says, good evening, everyone. Judy is going to have a bust out year and prove he was worthy of that first round pick. Also, I'll be surprised if Hamler makes the 53 man roster His injury history and a stacked wide receiver room. Yeah, it, he does face a, a little bit of a battle here um, because the basically, Zach, uh, everything he just mentioned about not only his injury history and all the talent in the room. All right. But also the regime that drafted him, like every last dude that was a part of the decision to bring him here is gone, including his old position coach. who can't even like go to bat True. for him in the, in those coaching meetings at the end of, you know, training camp and preseason where these decisions get made. So in, in a lot of ways, it's very fortunate for him that he, and let's hope it plays out this way, but it's very fortunate for him that he does get to open training camp uh, basically unencumbered, hopefully, as every other wide receiver because he's starting from scratch in terms of proving himself to Peyton, proving himself to uh, Kerry Colbert, his new position coach, and then trying to kind of stiff arm and, and separate, keep, keep, a, keep a, you know, some separation between him. Not so much Marvin Mims because Mims is making the roster no matter what, but guys like Lil, Lil Jordan Humphrey, um, Marquez Calloway, Guys like that is who KJ has to kind of um, outpace. I still feel like, though, when the Broncos traded up for Mims, it was a direct indictment on KJ Hamler, who just can't stay healthy. And the one thing that Sean Payton values is reliability and consistency. And you're not going to help the team from the tub, so to speak. So I'm rooting for KJ. I really am. Like, like you tweeted earlier, Chad, I retweeted it. He's a good guy with a good heart. He's, he's worked his tail off to get back from his injury last year. It's unfortunate that he was injured again, but he offers something that the Broncos don't really have except for Marvin Mims, and that's pure game-breaking speed. So the sooner he's healthy, uh, it's a win-win for Denver. Either he does help the team out or he'll rehab his trade value. And if the Broncos decide to move on, trading a KJ Hamler, a healthy KJ Hamler for even a, a sixth round pick, that would be a decent return. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Mike, great to see you tonight, brother. Hope you have been well. Still love your profile pic. It's one of the best under the sun, my friend. Uh, So shout out right back at you um quick to uh give some information here to john about the meet and greet he wants to know what time is the meet and greet i'm looking forward to seeing you guys when we come to denver for the first time for broncos packers um longtime broncos fan and my daughter is a packers fan interesting that always makes for fun uh inter familial uh dynamics but let's see that <clears throat> if i'm not mistaken that's a, a regular 2 p.m ish kickoff right so that'll be like a We'll, we will show up when uh, we're allowed to by stadium authority, which is about 10 a.m. Mm. And then we'll expect to start seeing people around 11 a.m. that day. That's when you can probably expect to uh, have everything set up, our tent and all our different things that we'll have out. But it won't be hard to find us. You'll just look for the big blue MHH tent, uh, hashtag state of being on it, big MHH logo. And, of course, when it does get a little bit closer, day of, weekend of, stuff like that, we'll give more specific uh, directions on how to find us. So we look forward to seeing you and meeting you, John. Yeah, hope to see you out there, John. And no offense to your daughter, but the Broncos are about to kick the Packers' ass that week. (laughs) I can't wait to see that happen in person. We always want to get a uh, Twitch comment or question on every single stream, if possible. And the Broken Pirates, um, Zach jumping in with, isn't Mims a replacement? Pardon me for Hamler and yes, but not necessarily the way you think he's a preemptive replacement for KJ Hamler, meaning even before let's just assume Zach for a second, KJ hadn't didn't suffer that off season injury that put his outlook for 2023, um, you know, made it cloudy in any way. Still, he was, even if he was healthy through the whole off season, he's entering a contract year. So the Broncos understanding through, um, the wisdom of just the experience they have, a kind of snake-bitten player. The past is the best predictor of the future. We got to find a guy who can step in and do that if needed this year. But if not, you know, if KJ is available for us, considering, Zach, how many guys are ahead of him in the logjam at wide receiver in terms of touches like Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, even if Hamler was perfectly healthy throughout, um, I doubt he's going to have enough of an expanded kind of opportunity, uh, swing, enough swings at the plate 
to do well enough to kind of garner that no-brainer, let's bring him back contract from the Broncos. That, if anything, Zach, is the Broncos drafting Mims is kind of like, yeah, we understand that it's probably a 90% chance that KJ will not be a Bronco f- after uh, 2023. I tend to agree with that. And um, I-, I see KJ as kind of a two-dimensional player in that he's a speed demon, he's a game breaker, whereas I feel like the, the Broncos view Marvin Mims as a 3D player, just can start at X, Y, Z, doesn't matter, all around the formation. And that's what Mike Kliss said as well recently that he's going to be a day one contributor Marvin Mims obviously but the Broncos expect Mims to be a full-time starter come 2024 at that point the guaranteed money on the Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick deals would be off the books so it'll be a higher likelihood the Broncos would move on from one of them and just kind of slot in Mims to a starting role but you can never have too many weapons and I'm still rooting for KJ on a personal level considering all he's been through Chad he can still provide some sort of utility and hopefully it comes out in Denver okay at the risk of uh, some video delays here I wanted to Zach pull up this article that uh, Keith had uh, yesterday where we there was a uh, let me get this paused. Okay, there we go. Where there was uh, some remarks given by Sean Payton's OG mentor, Hall of Famer Bill Parcells, and uh, <clears throat> just a couple of comments. This was, of course, these were remarks Zach uh, procured through the intrepid reporting of Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette, and a couple quotes from Parcells. I want to get your thoughts on on the subject of Sean Payton. Quote. This is Parcells, quote, he grew as a coach. I always thought he had real good ability, but it's just kind of learning what's important and how to do things and just all that kind of stuff. When you get to that place as a head coach, then you're more well-rounded and you have a better chance. So that took a little while for him, but it took a little while for all of us. And then, of course, Zach, he was asked about, you know, the the question that's burning on the top, on the minds of everybody uh, across the NFL, not just Broncos country, everybody. But uh, is Sean Payton going to resurrect Russell Wilson and how important is that, et cetera, et cetera? And he said, quote, well, they're not playing solitaire out there. There's more than one player playing, but the quarterback is very important. Sean's had good success with quarterbacks and developing Drew Brees and that kind of thing. So hopefully that will work with Wilson. And then last thing uh, that Parcell said about Payton and kind of providing a little bit of an outlook Uh, for what's coming he says quote um, on the subject of you know does is Peyton always basically calling you for advice over every little thing quote he's his own guy he knows what he's doing he's really a good coach and he's proved his methods work it's just that sometimes head coaches have a need to have someone to talk to that they know understands that's really all it is I can just tell you the Broncos have a good coach in place I'm sure things will improve, close quote. So your thoughts on all that, Zach? Listen, I have a ton of respect for the big tuna, you know, especially considering my past rooting interests, but I don't feel like he said too much there, quite frankly. I I mean, he said things that are fairly obvious and that Sean Payton is established enough at this point where he doesn't need to keep going back to the Parcells well. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's led 10 years of winning records in New Orleans. He's one of the best head coaches of all time. And I think the only illuminating thing that Parcell said was that he needs someone to talk to. Well, maybe that's why he brought in 
uh, Joe Lombardi and other coaches and players he's familiar with. I've mentioned that for quite a while now. The big thing about Sean is familiarity. He likes surrounding himself with like-minded people and people he's worked with in the past and been in the trenches with in the past as well. So it's, it's, it's always nice having that sounding board, but like Bill Parcell said, Sean Payton is his own man. He's going to do uh, what he sees fit. Uh, I think we can probably guess who Facebook user is here, Zach, by his comment. Can you guess? Ernie Mays. Big Earn in the house. So what this tells us, Big Earn, is that you're watching the stream tonight through the Facebook group, MHH Superfans, which is totally cool. Um, but it's great to see you tonight, big dog. Sam Bam, super <laughs> chat number two tonight. He says, someday I plan to make it to a meet and greet so I can meet the publisher and Big baller shot caller in person. Go Broncos. Hashtag MHH. So let me let me just give you guys, and we hope that is sooner than later, Sam, for what it's worth. But let me just give you some background on this real quick. So StreamYard just made it possible for us to, under our little, our name, to put like a title or something like that. So I'm like, all right, undermine. I'm like Chad Jensen. And then we jumped into the green, green room right before we're going live tonight. And I realized that it will look lame if I have one of those little white bubbles under my name with a title and Zach doesn't. So I'm like, Zach here, I'm gonna fix your um I'm gonna fix your your name and then put the title here, da da da. Um, and I'm getting ready to type MHH deputy editor. And Scott's like, no, he needs a better title than that. And I'm like, well, what be what title better than MHH big baller shot collar? Boom, as a joke, and then we went live. And so here it is, guys. Here it is. But uh true, nevertheless. All right. We Zach is a big baller. But we actually had a better one that you thought of that we couldn't really talk about on air, Chad. And we'll skip right over that. But I'm smelling maybe a t-shirt venture idea. You know, have the MHH logo and to put big baller shot collar underneath it. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We got Phil down in Tucson proving without a doubt that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state, state of, of being, being, baby. He says, good evening, Chad and Zach. Through week seven of the regular season, I'm looking at six and one or five and two. Thoughts? Hashtag Buckham MHH for life and go Broncos. Zach, since uh, we're, we're all here, I'll pull up the schedule. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this off because, you know, I'm sure you have it pretty much memorized, but not everyone listening does. So regular season, week one, home against the Raiders. Is that a win or is yep. that a loss? Dub that streak ends week one for sure. Okay, so one and oh, week two, home against Washington Commanders, win or loss? Win two and oh, week three on the road at Miami. That's the one that I'm kind of wavy on. I want to see how this year's iteration of the Dolphins kind of turns out to be, but that's going to be a tough test in the Miami Heat, an early afternoon game cross country. I'm going to put loss for the sake of objectivity. Okay, so two and one, Bears. Win four oh, on the road. I literally cannot wait to see PS2 pick six Justin Fields. Personally, that's going to feel so good. That's a win right there, baby. Okay, so we're at three and one. Week five, home against the Jets. Ooh. Revenge game. You for, know what? For Nathaniel Hackett, anyway. Yeah, I, I uh, Nathaniel Hackett coming back to Denver, even though Aaron Rodgers is there, their defense is pretty beastly. I'm going to say win. Okay, so that's four and one. Week six. At the Chiefs, here's where some of the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets tough now. The schedule was really easy in the first quarter. The second quarter is brutal. I think, Chad, for the Broncos will uh, split this year with KC, and that streak will end. But at KC, primetime game, short week, I'm going to go L here. So we are at 4-2. and two, And then week seven, Packers 
that's a win, Zach. That's a win. Yeah, I'm not scared of Jordan Love at all. So I agree with you. I think um, in the sake of, uh, again, objectivity, I could see the Dolphins game swing in Denver's way because, again, we're, you know, as much as we're trying to inform our analysis with what we know about Sean Payton and all that, um, you got to be, you got to be objective. Broncos traditionally struggle on East Coast games, A, B, East Coast early uh, schedule block. So is that what I'm trying to remember? Is that an early schedule? Yeah, it's 1 o'clock Eastern. Yeah, so that's that kind of works against them. Doesn't mean that it's not the end-all, be-all. They got to play the game. But either way, I think, Zach, I mean, if this team goes 3-1 and one just in the first quarter of the season, exactly. a lot of people are going to be happy. And the amount of momentum and just – the confidence that instills in a, in a ball club, especially coming off a five win season where within the first quarter, you've already accumulated what nearly 70 or 75% or whatever it is of your previous seasons uh, wins, whatever. I'm not great at math. I do not math. Well, that's a, that's a great harbinger. If that's how it shakes out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Early on. Uh, to anyone watching now or listening after the fact, I want to apologize for my voice. I know it sounds kind of annoying. I'm getting over kind of a, a head cold, so bear with me. But in terms of the schedule, I tend to break it up by quarters, Chad. So it's kind of a fruitless venture to look at the second quarter when we have to get through the first quarter. And I'll say this. They have to be. If they want, if they fancy themselves contenders, if they want to make the playoffs, they have to beat the teams they should beat. And the first quarter, kind of like in 2021, there's no reason why the Broncos should have not opened up 3-0. They have to be at least 3-1 and this year after the first four games. They have to. There's no reason why they shouldn't. I think they will split with the Chiefs. And as Scott was highlighting in that screen share, I think it's the home game, Week 8, uh, which is a middle afternoon kick. It's going to be fierce. That's going to be a fierce game. Uh, Keith, great to see you tonight, big dog. Hope you're doing well. He says, I read the article on SI ranking needs in the 24, uh, 2024 draft and putting quarterback at number one. What's your prediction on drafting a quarterback in 2024? Now, what Keith's talking about is the Bob Morris article that published today. Uh, uh, Broncos' four biggest 2024 draft needs, but here's what's you know in parentheses at this time. And he had, uh, Zach, I'll just in case for people who might not have read this quite yet, Bob had quarterback as number one, uh, edge rusher as number two, left tackle as three, and interior D-line as four. But he's also making it clear that, you know, this whole list of priorities could completely be reshaped and shifted yeah. depending on the outcome of 2023. So, for example, if Russell Wilson does what we expect him to do, Zach and I and uh, gets produces a winning season with Sean Payton at the helm and gets back to a closer resemblance to his vintage self and kind of the world snaps back into the way it should be. I don't think quarterback ends up being number one, number two, or really number three, because 
Uh, you could maybe put it in there in the top five somewhere, Zach, but you also have Jarrett Stidham for two years. So in the event, even if Russ has a great season and the Broncos get back to the playoffs and whatnot, uh, even in the event that maybe he's not able to carry that forward into 2024 and or he is going to be older, he gets injured or something like that, you still do have Jarrett Stidham. I, I don't really consider it like a you know, DEFCON 1 level need. I don't either. And it's uh, Keith, it's so hard to kind of answer this question. The draft is so far away and what they do in the draft will be determined by uh, the season and and especially what Russell Wilson does. But I don't think he's going to be bad enough to warrant drafting a quarterback with their first round pick or even like Chad said, their second round. Do they have a second rounder in the Sean Payton trade? Mm. I can't remember now. I'll double check that while you're talking. But my point is, I agree with what Bob said. Otherwise, though, edge rusher for sure, interior lineman, another offensive lineman. Those are needs now. I mean, they can even look at drafting a center, for example. But quarterback, I don't think Russ is going to be bad enough to warrant that. I do think he's going to have a big rebound season. So the Broncos have their own first round pick finally next year. They don't have a second round pick because of all those trades. They have their own. Um, third round pick, um, uh, fourth rounder, fifth rounder, fifth rounder, seventh rounder, seventh rounder. So right now they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks currently, uh, as things stand. So, um, but yeah, it's just going to be nice, Zach. Um, just from a fan perspective, it's going to be nice to have the Broncos with a first round pick for the first time in a, in a couple of years. And then, um, above and beyond that, like just for us as guys that are responsible for reporting on the team and keeping the content coming every day and finding every little bit of morsel to, to on the Broncos across the internet to keep everybody up to speed. It's going to be nice to feel like you, we have a dog in the fight for the first round. Plus I feel like the college football season will determine this, but except for Caleb Williams, who is really the can't miss prospect in the quarterback class next year, the Broncos as a team won't be bad enough to have, a top five pick, God willing. And uh, as long as Russ is like anywhere top 15, they will look to bypass that. They might draft one later, but certainly not over an edge rusher, certainly not over a defensive lineman or a tackle, like Bob said. All right. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, okay, so we're at 26 minutes. We're sitting pretty good. Uh, we don't necessarily need to push this particular stream to the one-hour mark, but we're happy to do it if the conversation takes us uh, in that direction. Zach, I want to segue for a second and uh, get your take on uh, what James uh, Palmer said about how Tim Patrick, the, the intimation here of what he, what he said is that, you know, you think of all the different weapons that Russell Wilson has this year in Denver, that Tim Patrick gives him a bigger boost than any of those guys mm-hmm. in his quest for redemption. What were your thoughts on that? Some of it was common sense, like Palmer reported that those in the building told him that TP is the best football player in the Broncos receiver room. And anyone who's watched the Broncos in recent season knows how good Tim Patrick is, how clutch he is, how reliable he is. He's just a dog. He's a gamer. He's a consummate pro. And not having him last year was such an underrated aspect of the the season that, that they had, especially Russell Wilson's downturn. Um, another thing he said was Russell Wilson in last training camp before Tim Patrick went down 
felt more comfortable throwing to TP than any other player on the field. That includes Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Handler, yada, yada. So having that safety blanket, that big body possession guy, a la Michael Thomas, is going to be such a beneficial factor for Sean Payton, for Russell Wilson. I literally cannot wait to see 81 back on the Broncos field. Come on, baby. Snap back, stream yard. Let's go. Come on, baby. Snap back. Let's go. This is what I get for opening up an extra tab. There we go. We're getting closer. Um, okay, Zach, one last thing here. And by the way, Tim Patrick, yes. His um, absence last year, I mean, I don't think he would have been like, if he would have been available, I don't think the Broncos avoid another losing season, just knowing what we knew uh, about Nathaniel Hackett and company. Man, it's not catching up. This is driving me nuts. It was doing pretty good up until this point, too. Um, oh, there we go. We're all, almost. Um, but even if Tim Patrick um, had been available last year, I think it would have at least – it might not have like really altered the end result of missing the playoffs or even the win total. But I think you would have seen a little bit better efficiency out of Russ in some of those right. deer-in-the-headlight moments, especially that first half of the season when – seemed like everything was against him. and um, So I'm really excited to see how how it looks with not only in Sean Payton's scheme. I mean, guys, this is going to be so cool to see how what designs this dude has for this collection of talent uh, and kind of a run-centric, let's get back to basics with Russ. And when I say back to basics, guys, I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, Tim Tebow circa 2011, so limited that – Broncos offensive coordinator at the time, Mike McCoy literally had to basically scrap the whole playbook and go like heavy, heavy run um, and really just scale things back. I just mean in the sense that, you know, Russ wanted to kind of think that he could be that drop back guy that, you know, throws it 40, 45 times a game or whatever. That's just not his bag. He is best when it's balanced with a, a plausible run game that can be productive an offensive line that has some power, doesn't let him get knocked down. And if he does get knocked down, they're definitely picking him up um, so that they can use his legs, Zach, in, this, in the scheme of things, whether it's naked boots, actual runs, all manner of different play action, and his propensity for deep ball accuracy. That's where I just can't wait to see how Sean Payton uh, riffs on that collection of talent. Yeah, I agree with your premise. I mean, the Broncos won five games last year. Tim Patrick wouldn't have been alone worth five more victories to get them to the playoffs. But we have to remember how historically brutal Denver was in the red zone. Denver was on third down. And you tend to think about if you had Tim Patrick on the field, would they be so bad? I don't think so. I think they would have scored more points. Like you said, they would have been more efficient and maybe win a few more games. That's just how clutch he can be. And uh, no one really talks about it. And other reasons were bigger factors. The injuries, the coaching, uh, the offensive line, Russ's own play, et cetera, et cetera. But not having that reliable safety blanket on the field was a huge, huge loss. Yes, indeed. Um, okay. Let me get back to the chat for just a second here. Um Keith, with always a very salient topic, coming back. Who has the better comeback season, Zach, for the Broncos? Javante Williams, Tim Patrick, 
Russell Wilson, or maybe even Randy Gregory as a wild card. What say you? Well, I feel like TP can't have a comeback season if not for Russ because Russ gets him the ball. I'm going to say number three. I, I mean, the everything is pointing toward him having a big rebound and a Sean Payton offense. And quite literally, there's nowhere to go but up for Russ after how poor he looked last year. I understand Javante is going to be a big help, but you have Samaje P. Ryan. You have a few other running backs. They're going to run the ball. They're going to pass the ball a lot too. But the biggest benefactor, you know, they, they hired Sean Payton, not for Javante, not for TP, not for Randy Gregory, not for anyone else except to fix Russell Wilson. So I cannot wait to see his comeback season in store. Yeah, I think uh, I think Russ ends up being the biggest beneficiary when it's all said and done of Sean Payton um, coming to Denver. And I think it's going to be quite obvious to a point where when we're looking back on 2023, let's say from March of next year, we're going to a lot of these issues that we talk about and some of the clowning around and just the lack of seriousness with which the NFL at large really takes Russell Wilson. I mean, Mark Schlereth, who I respect him, um, respect his grind. He was a great player, three-time world champ, two of them with the Broncos. I respect all that, but it's like you, these aren't things that would be written, <clears throat> pardon me, about a, you know, and I get it, Peyton Manning didn't have really losing seasons once he became an established quarterback. Neither did Tom Brady, but uh, – these are not the type of things. Here's an example that would be written about like Ben Roethlisberger on the hills of a season where they missed the playoffs. But Russ did do a lot, Zach, to kind of uh, make himself an easy target, unfortunately. And so I'm hoping that he's learned from some of that stuff. And I think there's evidence to suggest that he has because we know he has, at least in our very brief access to him uh, since Sean Payton arrived, dispensed with the Broncos country let's ride uh, shtick. It wouldn't have been said or written about or or talked about if it was any other quarterback, any other player except for Russell Wilson. I mean, the fact that Deshaun Watson allegedly did what he did last year and those offenses were more serious than Russell Wilson saying let's ride or doing high knees on a plane, yet no one says word one about Deshaun Watson today. Yet people are still clowning on Russ for workout videos and trying to get better and trying to get leaner. It's just delusional at this point. It's a sickness, honestly. All right. Um, so, Scott, I just followed your advice, so we'll see if it works. We're trying to get to the bottom of uh, why Scott and my uh, devices in particular seem to struggle the most with this StreamYard uh, interface. Um, so anyway, we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of that in real time, but because we do have the same video card and in case people go, Oh, well, you know, check your internet connection. We both have the highest internet you can get. We're both hardlined into our, our, uh, routers. So it's, it's kind of been a mystery to which even StreamYard has been like, we kind of wash their hands of it. It's been very, very frustrating. Uh, okay. Zach, I want to get back to a couple other storylines from this week that have hit the old newswire uh, since last time we were able to podcast. Um, and I know it's it's kind of uh, becoming a little bit pedantic, but what's the latest? You had an article yesterday, <clears throat> headline, Broncos again floated as a potential destination for Dalvin Cook. So let's talk about that for a minute. 
Yeah, Tom Pelissero was on the Rich Eisen show, and uh, Eisen asked Pelissero about Dalvin Cook and where he thinks he'll end up. And Pelissero named a bunch of, I think, front runners for Dalvin Cook. He named the Patriots, he named the Jets and the Dolphins. And the Jets and the Dolphins, one of those two, I think he'll ultimately end up with. But uh, Pelissero also said, You also got the Broncos in there as well. But and he hedged a bit, you know. He said, "I don't know how realistic it is because what uh, Dalvin Cook is commanding on the open market and the moves the Broncos have already made. They spent more money than anyone in free agency this offseason, and they don't really need a running back because they picked up Samaje and they have Pookie, but they're still being floated. I ultimately, again, don't think Dalvin will end up in Denver unless he takes just a massive pay cut or comes down on his ten million plus per year demand, but." It's it's still in the zeitgeist, so to speak. Still floating around out there, and it will continue to float around until he picks a team. Um, I don't really think the Broncos need him. However, if the Broncos signed him, I'm not going to hate on it. A lot of people immediately write it off, Zach, as just fodder because look at how much cap room the Broncos have, especially after signing Frank Clark. Like, How could it even be possible? The voodoo that can be... Um, conjured all right by these front office magicians guys i mean look no further than sean payton's saints for the majority of the time especially right. the second half of his tenure there i mean the headlines every single year if you ever went to like pro football talk or any of the kind of national <laughs> like 100 million under the cap every year yeah or over the cap over sorry. the cap i mean they're the reason that site was probably called over the cap which <laughs> is a great site by the way we I love it. I use it way more um, than I do spot rack, for example. Same. But uh, anyway, so if there's where there's a will, in other words, with regard to Dalvin Cook, there's a way. But I think it comes down to how much the truth there really is to this whole idea of Javante really being ahead of schedule, because I think that Sean Payton obviously handpicked Samaj P. Ryan for a reason. I think he does. I'm inclined to uh, to believe, take him at his word anyway when he says we feel like he's a starting caliber guy. Like this never really had the shot to be a starter, but like if we needed him for that, he's a guy that could check that box and and you know carry water for us in all three phases. But if Javante isn't exactly ahead of, of schedule as it's kind of been portrayed, then they are going to need one more guy that to be a force to be reckoned with until he does get up to speed. But the problem is. If you do throw what it will probably cost Zach to get uh, Dalvin Cook to Denver, you do then kind of cloud the outlook of both Samaje Pirine and Javante right. Williams from about middle of the season on. And maybe that's a you know first world problem. Like you know that's a problem that uh, the Broncos are willing to risk having to solve if it comes to it. But um, that's why you know even in the back of my mind I'm just like I don't think they need him if what they're telling us is true about Javante. They don't need Dalvin Cook. But there's a reason it's still staying out there beyond just the fact that Dalvin's still available. If Javante was out for this entire season or even half the season, I'd be banging the table for the Broncos to sign Dalvin Cook. And if they wanted him, they like you were talking about, they could easily massage or finesse the salary cap in order to make it happen. But you go out and you pay another running back, you pay that running back $10 million a year, let's say, it would be a little 
to me, fiscally irresponsible when you have Jonathan Harris as a starter or Lloyd Cushenberry as a starter or you need more um, interior O-line depth or interior D-line depth. You don't need Dalvin Cook, but we all want Dalvin Cook. Ultimately, I think the decision will be taken out of the Broncos' hands and he'll be putting pen to paper with the Dolphins. We shall see how it shakes out. Um, okay, back to the chat for a second. Um, we're at about 40 minutes. So this is the last call for comments, questions, topics, guys, you want us to get to tonight. It's been a great conversation uh, so far. So thank you guys for helping us uh, keep that going, by the way. Uh, but what about Mike saying here, Caden Stearns or Damari Mathis will have a bounce back year on the Broncos defense. So Caden Stearns, Zach, most definitely is a candidate for bounce back. Damari Mathis, though, Started off kind of rough, right, when, when he was thrown into the fire. Opposing quarterbacks quickly uh, targeted him as a rookie and at first uh, to great profit, right? It worked well. But then he kind of wisened up and figured it out, and he ended up being pretty solid opposite Pat Sertan on the boundary. So I'm not sure I agree necessarily that Damari is like even in that category of a guy that needs a bounce back year, yeah. but – Based on what Mike's saying here, what uh, what are your thoughts? I think I'm higher on Damari than most other people are. I saw a really good sticky cornerback who was in the hip pocket of most receivers he was running with, and he got picked on a lot, but that one five PI game, whatever it was, it was egregious. He was being flagged for ticky-tack penalties that wouldn't be called if he wasn't a rookie. He's going to be a really, really solid cornerback, too, uh, opposite PS2. A bigger bounce back on the defense. Caden Stearns is a good shout. I'm going to say Nick Benito, though. He had no run last year or very limited run. He was a second-round pick, and he was a relative disappointment uh, in that draft slot. But another year in an NFL system under a aggressive coordinator like VJ, and he'll get some ample playing time uh, out, outside linebacker, I could definitely see him chipping in a little more than he did as a rookie. I'm really looking forward to seeing – Caden Stearns bounce back because, man, this is a dude that definitely kind of similar to Justin Simmons in a lot of ways, but especially in that nose for the ball. He just has a penchant for being around the ball and capitalizing on interceptions, fumbles, stuff like that. So really excited. Let me grab this, Zach from Ramon, and then maybe we'll uh, we can call it a night or start, start uh, dialing it in. Oh, wait. F.A., hang tight one sec, bro, because I just told Ramon we'd get him. He says, Russ should stay completely in the shadows, then go out and kick everybody's you-know-what. We don't need to see how the sausage is made. Just have it ready when we're cooking our pasta. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Zach, your thoughts? I mean, I get the sentiment, but someone else earlier in the chat was like defending uh, what Stink said and and why he said it. Listen, Russell Wilson wasn't pulling a you know a Jay Morant where he's flashing guns in a nightclub. He's not going out there and showing off him doing drugs or drinking or anything not innocuous. He was literally working out. And we all wanted Russ to lose weight and become a better quarterback. Well, guess what? That's how you lose weight and become a better quarterback is you work out. I don't look at a 30-second clip or whatever it was that he put on Twitter. One time, by the way, it was the only time this offseason as a means to run him through the coals and start to think he broke some hidden pact with his head coach. That was way over the top for me. Look who we have here. F.A. throwing down. Thank Appreciate you, you big dog. 
so generous. Top rope super chat. There's a reason he's on the MHH Mount Rushmore, and he is saying, happy Thursday, guys. Have a fantastic show. You are definitely helping us to have a fantastic show, my friend. So thank you so much, F.A., from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate you, my friend. Really. I mean, we like to say that you help keep the lights on, F.A., but you're turning into Thomas Edison for us, so we definitely appreciate that so much. And uh, we'll ha- we're having a better show now that you're here, so thank you. Zach, one last topic I want to get your thoughts on, and then we'll uh, wind her down. So tis the season for the ubiquitous list and ranking article across, uh, across the NFL. Sean Payton, though, we have learned that he actually pays attention to some of these things, okay? And we know this only because when PS2 made some list, whatever it was, a couple weeks back during mandatory minicamp, he brought up how cool it is and how he reads the lists and how cool it is that PS2 made the list, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, all right, the stage being thusly set, PFF dropped their top 10 head coaches of the NFL entering 2023. And wouldn't you know it, Sean Payton is not in the top 10. So my question to you, though, is it fair, considering that Sean no. missed last year, took no. it off on purpose, right? He wasn't fired. He voluntarily stepped down from his post one year off. Is it fair that he was not in the top 10? No, it's not fair because look who was in the top 10. You had Sean McDermott and Brian Dayball, two guys who have never won a championship as a head coach. Dayball has been a coach for one year. So this is solely to farm engagement and traffic and get people upset and talking about it. And I hate to admit that it's working right now because I'm giving it that energy. But what Sean Payton has accomplished should have him on that list. I mean, how many times have we seen lists this offseason that has Sean Payton as the third best coach in the NFL to leave him out of the top 10 completely while ignoring what he did for 16 years in new Orleans. I mean, you have Belichick on the list. What has he done since Tom Brady left new England? Not much, but you're putting him on there because of his legacy. Why shouldn't Sean Payton and his legacy be on there as well? You know what it made me think of was what Dick Vermeil said, who hall of fame head coach. Now, you know, the, uh, Maybe you can't exactly call him the brainchild of the greatest show on turf because that was more of a Mike Martz thing, but definitely the, you know, the blueprint layer, the the designer of that whole Rams team. And he led two different NFL clubs to the Super Bowl, but only one of them won. I digress. What Dick Vermill said was Andy Reid and Sean Payton are the two like preeminent offensive minds of the modern era of the NFL. So you take that reality. If, if one of the two top uh, offensive minded head coaches of the modern era are still coaching football right now, wouldn't it stand to reason? Doesn't it add up that they'd both be listed in a objective, fair top 10? That's, that's, that's my question. But here's the thing. When it comes to PFF, there's no objectivity toward Denver. They have some sort of Broncos bias, and I do not understand it. Scott made kind of the same point I was making. Scott said, I did a search of top 10 in 2020 and couldn't find Peyton below five. I mean, it's always been uh, number one was Andy Reid. You could put Belichick number two. And number three was always either Mike Tomlin or Sean Payton. And I'm fine with Sean Payton at four, but to leave him out of the top 10 and put Sean McDermott and Brian Dayball especially there, 
that is just anti-Broncos bias, and I guess it's working because I'm talking about it. But this is what we do, right? This time of the year in the offseason, these are what we're these topics are what we're left to uh, break down, and I I take a lot of joy in it. I have a lot of fun with this stuff. But FA with a second very generous you, super FA. chat, love you, big dog. Do you guys know if anyone from Arizona is going to? Do you know if anyone from Arizona going to the first preseason game? It would be cool to meet some of the Tucson folks there. You know, I'm not sure, but I know we have a couple of prominent members of our community that live near there, one of which lives in uh, Tucson, uh, Phil, right, McLaughlin. But I know um, Michael Ronquillo, right? Mike lives down there as well. Uh, Gary lives near there, Gary Palmer. And so does David McElrath in, uh, you know, that within, you know, the general vicinity. So we'll see as it gets a little closer though, big dog, because that would be, uh, that would be cool. And if we could help facilitate that, that would be rad. Little MHH Broncos invasion in Arizona. I'm all for it. Thank you we'll, so much. FA again. We'll definitely keep it. Uh, keep you updated on that. FA BLD two, three, four, two. What's up. That's a newer name on super chat. So welcome, welcome. and thank you. Appreciate you connect with us on Twitter. Big dog. We'll tag you and shout you out after the show says, who will the Broncos, <clears throat> pardon me, who will the Broncos sign next? So he's getting very specific. Uh, grab your crystal ball. Zach, who will the Broncos sign next? I guess I can answer this by saying who I want the Broncos to sign next, and it's not a running back. It's not a receiver. It's an offensive lineman. They did well bringing in Cam Fleming to be a backup, a swing guy, a veteran swing guy, but they need a center still. I'm sorry. I'm not... Sold on Cushionberry, Forsyth, Fuller, that whole uh, trio. Ben Jones is out there. You have some other names. Or a guard. Gabe Jackson's out there. Uh, DJ Fluker's out there after losing a ton of weight. I think the next Broncos move should be along the interior O-line. I would love it if they brought back Ben Jones. But the only thing I can figure is that NFL teams are just terrified of his injury history. Either that. Uh, oh, and David, that's right. David Bingaman in Scottsdale, for what it's worth. Uh, either that or, uh, you know, he's maybe not as his, – his, what he's asking for outpaces what teams think he's worth. Or maybe he's just not showing all that much interest. Like, in other words, maybe he's waiting for a team to blow him away with an offer before he gets too crazy about trying to find work. But, all right, last one, and then we're going to dip out. KB, what's up, bro? Great to see you tonight, big dog. Where does Denver's O-line rank by the end of the season? A lot of the uh, you know ubiquitous rankings of different units have seen the Broncos hovering somewhere between like 10 and 15. Mm -hmm. So what's your answer for KB? I was going to say top of my head, gut reaction, 12. I don't know why I settled there, but just outside the top 10, but a noticeable marked improvement from where they've been in recent seasons. Sean Payton's track record in New Orleans of de developing offensive line play and offensive linemen was immaculate. I'm really big on the hire they made. The O-line coach, Zach Streif, I think he's going to whip them into shape and be the antithesis to what Butch Berry was last year. So I tend to agree. I think anywhere from 10 to 15, and I can see 12 being a, a landing spot. Yes. And Mike, thank you, bro. Appreciate you, F big dog. You are a prince. Thank you for the support. And also, of course, helping us keep the conversation going every single night with very, very few exceptions. F.A. with a final thank top you. rope super chat. 
Uh, he, go, he says, is it weird that there are still plenty of running backs left on the market or are they just not a, pr a premium anymore? Well, they definitely are no longer really viewed uh, in the league as a premium got to have in terms of you got to have them. That's probably the wrong way to say it. You don't spend at running back. It is basically the, you know, boiled down philosophy because there are so many good ones that you can find uh, on the relative cheap on the street out of the draft every year. Right. That's why it, Zach and I, it's not the only reason why, but it was a, one of the reasons why we kind of recoiled at the deal. John Elway gave Melvin Gordon oh. a few years back. Um, Did more than recoil, but there are some big name guys out there. Dalvin cook. It kind of does surprise me a little bit that he's still kind of languishing, but I think it's just because he's maybe asking for more than, you know, it's kind of a sticker shock that eventually will wear off. Teams yeah. will approach him. He'll come down a little and he'll sign. But like a lot of guys have languished this offseason, including guys like Zeke Elliott. Zach. If you would have told me like a year ago that D Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt would all be free agents, I would have thought you were crazy. But there's two reasons why running backs are available. They're either washed in the cases Zeke. if you watch Zeke play in recent years he has nothing left as a runner he's uh primarily a goal line and uh pass protecting back at this point of his career there's concerns coming out of Cleveland that Kareem Hunt is starting to break down and that age 30 cliff is is real for running backs it's not a myth it's not made up it's real Dalvin Cook the other reason why is like Chad said they're asking for too much money and I think in Dalvin's case, paying a running back $12 million a year when he's, what is he, 28, 27, something like that. He's getting close to that 30-year-old uh, cliff. Teams don't want to pay that. I mean, like Chad said, you can find running backs as an undrafted free agent, like Philip Lindsay, for example. You don't have to spend. Look at what Samaj P. Ryan got. It didn't break the market. It didn't uh, cripple the Broncos' salary cap. But you're picking up a capable three-down running back and platooning him with someone that you drafted in Javante Williams. Well said. Well said. F.A., thank you, big dog. And then Zeus, uh, bookending our stream tonight with How another generous exactly uh all is right with the world Stu says thanks all great to listen in zeus we love you big dog great to see you tonight hope we get to see you more but uh much love and respect big dog thank you nature is healing when we have zeus mcpeak in the room with us i think it's going to do it though chad for the podcast tonight unless we have anything else i don't think we do i'm going to do my spiel really quickly guys that was another tremendous beautiful episode of the mhh podcast uh if you're not doing so please follow us on twitter at the mhh pod the main account on twitter at mile high huddle chad at chad and jensen myself at kelberman nfl and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, like we're always rocking, go to mhhmerch.com. Check that out. On Facebook, give us a like at facebook.com slash Pod. On Instagram, at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And go to Apple Podcasts and make sure you're leaving your football pre-safe five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, please, guys and gals, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Yes. <laughs> Shout out. Much love and respect to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight. Zeus McPeak, F.A. Thank you, guys. KB, uh, BLD, 2342, Sam Bam, uh, David McElrath, Troy, 
And then on Facebook, Michael Ronquillo, Phil McLaughlin. Much love and respect, you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, y'all. We'll see you Sunday. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.